This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Outside Looking In, the podcast series wherein I, Samson Folk, talk to 29 other people about what's going on with their team and what they think of the Raptors so that everyone can kind of get a consensus on what the world, mostly the United States people think of, you know, Canada's team. And also so that, you know, you can slowly, through listening to all these, learn about the league at large. This one is a big one. Not only right before we record this have the Raptors reportedly been heating up in talks with this team, we'll discuss, you know, the reality of, you know, what might happen with all that kind of stuff. But uh, the team that has been entrenched in the most trade rumors for some time, uh, maybe the most in in some ways, like just forthright. uh, Yeah, objectively, the most forthright trade request we've gotten in recent years, just because the contract stuff it's the Portland Trailblazers. Is Eric, my dear friend, and uh, you can find his stuff at Blazers Uprise for what it's worth if you want to keep following this saga after and follow like a really fun Portland team. But Eric, we're here. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going pretty good. How's your summer been? It's been awesome. Just hanging out. Did you take a vacation? Yeah, I was in New Zealand for like 40 days. It was great. I kind of tried to turn my brain off of basketball for, you know, a decent amount of time and then by the end of it, Canada was doing much better than expected in the yeah. World Cup. So covered that maybe a bit more and cut the vacation short. But writing about basketball while in New Zealand is not such a bad thing, I find. Uh, how how was your smart. summer? Oh, pretty good. Uh, other than this Dave stuff hanging over <laughs> the whole entire thing, not knowing at any second if I'm going to have to go do an emergency stream about yeah. a Dave trade for what, almost three months now since the draft of... Yeah, it's been been pretty crazy as a Blazer fan. Just this whole saga. You've been sitting on pins and needles, dude. They right. don't give you they don't give you a day off. They just make no. you sit and wait in suspense. That's <laughs> that's what we won't make. You know, we won't have any suspense for this podcast. For anybody who is not interested in this kind of stuff, I timestamp every episode. Go click around as you like. If you're not interested in the trade talk, more of the encore stuff. But we're doing trade talk stuff first. <laughs> yeah. Dame. The Raptors, as ever, they show up in every single – they have interesting guys. You know, right. they showed up in the Kevin Durant stuff. It's like, well, they have Scotty Barnes. They have OG. They have Pascal. They have a litany of other interesting players. Um, they've shown up. Reportedly, you know, the betting odds, uh, they're represented pretty well there. If anybody cares about that kind of stuff for indicators, they're typically pretty bad. Um <laughs> There's been lots of reports, both out of Portland and out of people in Toronto, just kind of being like, hey, maybe they had something. Somebody said no, they won't include X, they won't include Y. Eric, let's just, you know, I can ramble as long as I'd like, but you know a lot more than me. What's uh, what's the situation with Dame over there? Well, the situation is Dame 
appears to not be interested in going anywhere but the Miami Heat. And so it kind of puts a wrinkle into any other team that trades for him. Now we know Masai Ujiri has been known to take a risk on a player like that, which is why Toronto, uh, you can <laughs> never you can never rule them out, right? Because um, Masai could just say, I don't care, right? And I'm going to dare Dame to, to say, no, I'm not going to play for Toronto. Uh, so that's why they keep coming up because, uh, I mean, it's a wild card. And like you said, they have pieces. Um, they they do owe a pick to San Antonio for Jakob Pertl last year. But, um, you know, they they can maybe do some things to free up a few extra picks if they need to. And they still have a couple in the future that they could use. And then we know the Blazers have been trying to get players like Pascal Siakam <laughs> and OG Ananobi for years now to pair with Damian Lillard. Um, so it'd be kind of weird if we ended up trading Dame for one of those players. But, you know, you do have pieces that the Blazers have coveted for a long time. So the the whispers on this side of the border, I suppose, or this side of the coast, it works both ways, um, that they are reluctant to include Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm. And so that's as much as like, I'm. you hear stuff, but I haven't yeah. heard it from the horse's mouth being like, this is what was offered. This is what was ever. And then so there's like 18 reports out there that say they talked and somebody said no. Yeah. So I can't shit. I can't shed any light, but you, as you know, the more interested party in Portland's prosperity going forward, if you, if it's the Raptors, what are you trying to get? What makes you happy? Well, I don't like Scotty Barnes fit with Scoot because I think Scotty needs the ball in his hands to be most effective. And Scoot is also seemingly going to be that way. So I don't know if that's the best fit. However, I think Scotty Barnes would be by far the best player the Blazers could maybe get for Dame if you're just talking about pure player and not picks. So um, whether you keep Barnes or flip him for more assets um, down the road, I think, yeah, that's definitely who I would target if I'm the Blazers. Um, but it doesn't sound like Ujuri uh, is interested at all in moving him just like last summer. So. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be tough to get him included in the trade. But yeah, that's definitely who I'd ask for. I think that Scotty, the tough part, I think they could be persuaded if the contract stuff wasn't so murky. Because if mm-hmm. it's Scotty, you get that rookie scale contract. And then the machinations, you have to start talking to other teams. You got to start working other stuff out like, hey, guys, we need to come up with $38 million. And Scotty yeah. is, you know, less than 10 it's kind of tough to find your way there. Uh, the next answer then, and I assume the one they've been kicking around. Well, actually, I would assume and have heard that like they said, Portland, do you want Gary Trent Jr.? Because every GM is like a little you know bastard trying to get like the best deal possible. And every GM yeah. is like, what are you doing to me right now, man? Of course. But uh, OG is good enough and of consequence enough to be talked about as maybe the centerpiece of something like this, you still have to add a whole bunch of other things. Is there any interest on your side? I know how Raptors fans feel about trading OG, especially the fact that if Dame comes, you want OG and Dame probably playing together. But how how are things on your side? Um, I love OG as a player, but 
in my mind, if you're trading Dame, it's kind of weird to get win now players um, and possibly be stuck in that area where you're good enough to maybe play for the play in or, uh, you know, one of the final seeds in the playoffs, um, which both of our teams have been stuck in that kind of range <laughs> the last few years, right? Um, so, like, do you want to continue being in that, or is it better to just take your lumps for a couple of years with with Sharp and and Scoot and see how they develop, and uh, just try to get as best picks as you can in the next couple of drafts? And so, I'm I'm kind of of the opinion that you shouldn't trade for someone like OG. Uh, once again, it's probably lessening the value because that's probably the best asset that the Raptors would realistically give up. But in my mind, I'm just trying to accumulate as many pieces that help with the rebuild. And then you add on top of that, the OG contract situation, you just mentioned the Barnes being on Rickley deal, but OG can Mm -hmm. opt out of his contract next summer. So the Blazers as a rebuilding team are going to either have to overpay to keep him like every free agent they have to do, or lose him for nothing so you had one year of og and he's gone or you can maybe flip him at the trade deadline but he's going to be a rental so he wouldn't be that valuable uh so it's just kind of a weird dynamic but to me i wouldn't be looking at players like og in portland situation okay so uh quickly thoughts on let's say somehow they figure out a scotty deal we're talking about for the raptors the the immediate future right like it's it's a team trying to compete for a title where do you think that puts the raptors like there's a assume a couple guys of the depth pieces maybe a couple bench pieces grady for example um maybe thaddeus young i assume would go out because he's like eight million of like dead weight um maybe some draft capital but a nucleus of pascal dame og and pertle i suppose would be there as well for sure how do you feel about that in the east uh i still don't know if it's a championship contender uh i think they're dang good um but i don't think they're as good as if for example miami gets dame with jimmy and bam i I don't think they're as good if philly gets him and it's Embiid and, and dame i think that's slightly better um but in those situations, those teams, I mean, Harden's, uh, who knows what's going to happen with that situation. <laughs> Miami doesn't get Dame. They're kind of in trouble um, with losing Gabe Vincent and Max Struess this summer and not really replacing those guys. So um, it doesn't seem like they'd be contenders, but like I feel like that would still be one of the best teams Dame's been on, and, and we've seen what he's done with a much lesser <laughs> squad. So... I could definitely see them making a run and surprising people. And um, I just don't know if if the top end is, is high enough to take down some of the powers in the East. Yeah. You said they're dang good. You've seen a lot of dang good as a Blazers fan. Right. The, the past, you know, since Dame was drafted, it's almost as if dang good is, you know, a synonym for Dame good. But um, before we move on, just your thoughts on where this goes. I know you're, like you think it's just it's Miami it's gonna yeah. be Miami but yeah just uh, I guess let me feed the words into your mouth the <laughs> leading question of course well yeah I think ultimately Dame goes to Miami um the problem is I don't think uh 
the Blazers front office is necessarily too happy about him <laughs> getting his wish. So that's why you hear all these rumblings lately about other teams coming into it. Um, but yeah, at, at this point, nothing would surprise me. I, I heard so many things that um, make sense logically, but then like logic doesn't seem to apply <laughs> to a lot of these situations when emotion gets involved and just the whole situation with Dame and, and his loyalty and whether or not the front office had loyalty back and uh, took advantage of that loyalty and all that kind of stuff. It's just so messy. And, and I like, so I don't really, I wouldn't be surprised with any scenario at this point. What, uh, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say both sides are competing for the public favor, right? Yeah, exactly. And and so the messaging, nobody gets to be direct really. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that makes, that adds another, I guess, a uh, layer of complexity. As a Raptors fan, do you want the Blazers or Dave to go to the Raptors or? I'd love, I'd love to cover Dame. Yeah, yeah. totally. And also because I think, um, I think it would be a really fun team to watch a really mm-hmm. fun team to cover. And it's tough to build it as good as that team would be. They'd be super expensive. But it's yeah. tough to build a team that good. Um, yeah. And the Raptors, like, there have been some difficulties building properly the last couple of years anyway. That, like, maybe you skip a few steps and yeah. it, it's more it's too big a leap to get upstairs maybe or something like that. But um, it's really interesting. I If they did the deal, I'm jazzed, man. Cool. Covered, yeah. <laughs> I guess if Dame reports, right? If Dame reports, right. <laughs> he's, he's like, yeah. Four years, I'll sit on it. I, I mean, I don't know, but yeah. it's it's interesting. Um, People didn't think Kawhi was going to report though, and he was fine. And but, like Dame, if he didn't report, that's that's a big bluff to call. Right. It's a it's a big thing to not bluff on. Is like right. I'll just <laughs> sit. This is a guy who he's crafting a Hall of Fame resume. He wants to be like whether or not it's of the utmost importance to him, but. Why, why wouldn't a guy want to finish his career and then stay top five and three-pointers made for like a long time? Why wouldn't mm-hmm. a guy want to, you know, take the last couple of years, maybe three, four years of his prime and keep scoring like north of 27 points per game? It's important stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he's, you know, he is a guy who has been thoughtful about his career, but also it's business first. And that's also the thing too is like this flies in the face of good business because he's you know, that's money, a lot of money. Yeah, like, yes. like one of one of Dame's game checks, if it, if it just fell off the back of the truck into, you know, your your pocket or mine, it'd be like, hey, oh. it's pretty good. So I'm set up for life. No. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind I, of. I think Dame reports, though. I like if if they yeah. did get traded to the Raptors, I I think there might be some hemming and hawing, you know, like <laughs> at first. But I I think he would. They they put the call to Chris Haynes. They're like, we need we need more media messaging. Yeah. Like we need we need a favor. Yeah, but yeah. I think he would report, but I still I think I, there's a lot of stuff out of Miami too. That's like, hey, we don't even want him. Who's this Dame guy? You know, which is like pretty funny, especially if he can be had for a bargain. Like turning yeah. your nose up at it. I'm like, come on, man, just make the trade. But right. I guess we'll see. We're th- two teams, you know, not just Dame. Mm-hmm. the Raptors you like last year when we did the outside looking in episode 
not only is there a couple guys on the team who you're like, hell yeah, I like those guys, but you're like, I like the way they're building. I think the team's going to be good. That was not unique to you. Everybody who came in here and talked to me was yeah. like, yeah, they'll be a good team. And they ended up in the play-in, which wasn't that far back from what a lot of people thought was like, yeah, they finished decently the year before, but they could get better and still finish worse, worse in the standings was like a realistic thing that the East had gotten better. It didn't really happen that way. They struggled. Yeah. From your perspective, uh, how do you feel about them holding firm, at least currently, on you know playing big, even losing more shooting in some sense, and uh, I guess the overall direction of the team at this point? Yeah, it's just so weird thinking about a team without Fred there. Yeah. Uh, and so you would think if they weren't going the rebuild route, they would do everything they can to keep him. Uh, they tried. So, for yeah, I know. Work. I know. Houston, I mean, I don't know how Fred could have passed that offer up, but I don't, so know what, I don't know what Houston's doing, by the way. <laughs> Who knows? But <laughs> uh, they tried to steal Brooke Lopez from Milwaukee, too, for some I, reason. I it's like, like that. You know, because yeah, like, Brooke is so good. Yeah, but like what <laughs> they're not Dylan Brooks will keep shooting seventy percent from three on about eight attempts per game. It, right. Yeah, it's the yeah. FIBA World Cup. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. But then it takes away time from their young players, <laughs> like I was saying with the Blazers. So uh, but yeah, it, it was like so interesting to me to see what Ujuri was gonna do this summer with with does he rebuild, does he finally trade OG or Siakam? And then you hear these rumors that Siakam wouldn't accept uh an extension with any team other than the raptors um so that kind of plays into it um to where maybe his value in trades wasn't good enough because of that so you pretty much have to keep him and do you want to trade a guy who wants to stay (laughs) um that's that good so uh it's it's just a weird dynamic but i feel like they're kind of gonna get stuck in that window that we were talking about where you're not good enough to win, but you're not bad enough to bottom out and get a, a top pick. And now they owe their their pick. I think it's top six protected, right? Mm-hmm. To San Antonio. So they'd have to be really bad to keep their pick next year. Um, so I don't know how you add. You, you could maybe do something with Trent um, later th- later in the year. Um, and Thad Young's contract. Maybe you have some contracts that you can move. But um if unless you move OG or, or Pascal, I don't know how you get like a drastically different team there. So um yes, yeah, it's, it's it's just a weird dynamic of are they just doing that thing where a lot of teams get stuck in where they're they're not really good enough to to win at all, but they're not bad enough to to get better long term. That's the interesting part is that I really like the Grady pick for what it's worth. I think that's like progress moving forward. I think a lot of, and this is the tough part, really, really good teams, really good team building can kind of through their transactions buffer themselves against depending too much on development. Mm -hmm. And the Raptors right now, based on, you know, pretty expensive team, they're hard capped. The fact that uh, if they they did better than the seventh seed, if they were six or higher, I'd be, pretty surprised and like super impressed would obviously be overjoyed to watch that team figure it out but this is a team that is relying on development from scotty barnes pretty heavily 
that yeah. that growth into an initiator to take over all of the possessions that Fred Van Vliet had to make them like, oh, we figured out you know how to play a lot of basketball with like less shooting on the floor and we are doing a little bit more rangy things defensively and we're just going to be huge defensively, be a really good defense and run out a bunch. Like this is how they're kind of stylizing their basketball. But it won't be super – it's also similar to what we've seen in the past, which kind of slowed down last season. And it won't be super compelling unless Scotty makes that leap because OG probably isn't Pascal. Whether some people think he's going to keep improving, I think it would be cool. I think he will – I don't think we've seen Pascal's best season yet. I think marginal improvements. He's a, you know, he's a gym rat. He came to the game late. He always seems to be adding stuff like, yes, he'll keep getting better. But that jump to like MVP top 10 is really, really hard. Um, yeah. And he's already all NBA level. Like how much more impact are you getting out of that? It's tough to say a whole, whole bunch. Jakob a full season I think will be great, especially on defense. Um, mm-hmm. Pick and roll stuff is good. But they have very little like proven pick and roll stuff now. Maybe it becomes really good. Maybe Pascal or Scotty are like, just tremendous this season doing it. But, you know, the Raptors' best stretch offensively last season came with a lot of Fred and Jakob pick and roll. So basically, everything's up in the air. And I know everybody who's listened to like 11 of these episodes so far is going to be upset at me saying this, but Gary, OG, and Pascal are all expiring. Yeah. That's like tough to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of it is tied to development. And that's a tough place to be as a team builder, but it also does leave potential for like maybe Scotty's the hero this city deserves or something yeah. like that. Um, well, the other X factor there is no Nick Nurse, right? There's a new coach that's in town, correct. so so it's not just like I guess necessarily the same thing because there's a new voice in the locker room, and so maybe that unlocks something or or changes something there. But it could also have the opposite too, where <laughs> uh, like maybe Nick Nurse was holding it all together, and <laughs> and it's it's not going to look quite as good with another coach there. So it's kind of scary not knowing which route that's going to be. I um, think and then I Nick think Nurse goes to Philly. So yeah. <laughs> I think Darko will be a positive. Now a positive in the interpersonal aspect, certainly. Uh, Nick had a lot of trouble navigating the more grading aspects of how he operates uh, towards the end there, both with fellow coaches and with players. And like, he's obviously a very good coach at the NBA level. Hmm. I'm sure Philly fans will be happy to have him. And it's like Larry Bird said, what did he say? Like three years for a head coach or something. And he's yeah. like, then you move on. I Nick did five, right? Like he, he found his way to a lot of wins. He moves on, you know, every, everybody's happy. Good enough. But Darko, I think interpersonal stuff will be better. I expect the Raptors to, I think they've invested a little bit more into development, especially on the coaching staff and their scouting department. Uh, Big shout out Ben Uzo, who just got, well, I guess that's not development scout, a pro scout, but he just got hired on, I think, two days ago. I think that's important because post-championship, they had brain drain. They lost like quite a few people. Um, the big hero, Jama Malalela, he came back. He's a lead assistant now with the team. They lost him post-championship too. We'll see how it all goes. There's yeah. a lot of stuff up in the air. Yeah. Another team banking on development, although uh, lower stakes 
the the Dame stuff is all high stakes. Um, yeah. But lower stakes is the the Shadon Sharp, uh, the Scoot Henderson, like there, those two in particular, obviously. But who knows what comes back in the trade for Dame? There's guys like Chris Murray, who I know some people are really high on. There's people who are still holding on to that, like Keon Johnson. They're like he might pop. Who knows really? But what are your expectations for this Blazers team in a season that is hopefully not going to be marred by Dame discourse? <laughs> yeah, my expectations are simply the development part of it. Like you mentioned, uh, I just want to see because uh, when Dame came in rookie year, he had a lot of veterans like Wes Matthews and Nicholas Batum, LaMarcus Aldridge. So he steps right into that point guard role. And you could tell from the jump, like this was the guy, right? He was, he was, he was going, awesome, man. He was going to be good. So that's what I, first and foremost, I'm looking at Scoot, uh, two years of, of experience now at the G league. Um, I just want, well, I wanted them to build around Dave, but now that that's not happening, I want them to just turn the keys fully over to Scoot and let him just have that same runway where it's just, it's your team now. You're the man from day one. And I want to see him just step in. And I, I'm not saying you can't have growing pains. There of course be those growing right. pains, but hopefully he's in the running for rookie of the year. It's going to be tough to outdo the hype for Wemby, but <laughs> um, like, I just want to see him step in and be like, okay, we have our point guard for the, for the next decade. We're set there. And then same thing with sharp. Like, does he play like he did towards the end of last season? And in which case, like we might have the beginnings of a really good team and we might have the same problem where we have two guards and we still need to find a front court. But is that, I'm just looking at this season as do we have the answer long-term? Do we possibly have the two stars to lead us into this next iteration of Blazers basketball on the roster already? And if so, I don't really think the Dame trade matters that much because you most rebuilds, you know, you're trying to get pieces to acquire like the process in Philly. You're, you're trying to get the number one pick every year and you're trying to add talent that way. But if you're starting a rebuild with, two stars on your roster already that are under rookie contracts. I don't think there's a better way to do it. And I think what, what happens in the Dame trade doesn't matter if, if Scoot and Sharp become stars, you're fine. If they don't, I don't think the rebuild's going to go anywhere. So uh, it's, I would put everything on their development and also identifying which type of players would fit best with them. And it could be two years out from now in a draft in 2025 or something, but you need to identify players now that you want to target over the next couple of years to pair with them. And so it's all about finding out what their style is, what works best for them and getting the right roster around them. Unlike what they did with Dame for a decade. I bet Cooper flag fits pretty well. <laughs> oh, dude, no. <laughs> Yeah, I would be, I mean, obviously with the draft lotto now, the percentages, it's tough to yeah. get the number one pick, but um, yeah, I would be, I would be setting themselves up to do everything they could to get him because that would be the perfect fit with those guys. In my opinion. Yeah. The run you mentioned for Shaden towards the end of the season, it, it, it's longer, but if you want the sexiest numbers, the last 10 games, yeah, the Blazers were two and eight in the last 10. But having a guy like Shaden come out, 57% true shooting, 
24 points, seven boards, four assists. The most interesting aspect is that like the 20% assist rate. Yeah. It's anytime a combo who is a very like lithe and really uh, unique and organic scorer makes that playmaking jump. It was a really big deal when Devin Booker did it. It was a really big deal when Bradley Beal did it. And those guys did it in years like four and five around Mm -hmm. there. For Shaden to already be making like pretty good steps is reading the floor. He's tall. He's hyper athletic. He's got like that buttersweet stroke. Just he he's a very, very interesting player. And not like interesting, like, hmm, if he hits or not. It's like interesting that you're wondering if it's, you know, all-star someday or all NBA. And that's the that's kind of the that's a really fun place to be in paying attention to players. You know what's weird about that, Samson? He showed none of that, like, through the first 60-plus <laughs> games of the year, right? Like, I had conversations with people, like, does this guy even know how to pass the ball? Like, <laughs> like he has, like, very little assists or, like, even flashes of playmaking. Like, usually you see that in a player, and it's like, okay, like, he he's not the best passer, but he shows signs of, like, reading a defense well, and maybe he'll do that. Like, he showed none of that all season, right? Like, <laughs> Like we're we're starting to question like is this just going to be like a shooter slasher type player and you know you're not going to be able to to play him much on ball at all and then all of a sudden they you know pull the shoot on the season and they put him in the lead role and it's like night and day difference all of a sudden he's throwing these passes and like running like he looks like a pick and roll wizard and. And you're like, is this guy a rookie or like, <laughs> like you mentioned, is he a, a four or five year vet? And and like, I just couldn't believe the difference when they put that responsibility on him. And that's another reason why I feel like when you're rebuilding or when you're trying to develop guys, I would give them more responsibility until they prove they can't handle it because he was also saying I want to guard the best guy on the other team every night you know so like that's also awesome and he was doing a pretty good job all things considered I mean he's he's got to learn the craftiness of of how players draw fouls and and take advantage of younger players but um like just that attitude last year was so refreshing after kind of wondering if if maybe he was kind of Slacking off on defense a little bit. Chauncey had mentioned uh, several times during the season that that was a reason he wasn't playing more, was blown assignments and and stuff like that. So to see him just all of a sudden pop at the end of the season was was phenomenal. And it definitely uh, made the Blazers um, realize that they had, you know, not only a fan favorite with the dunks and all that, but someone that they could legitimately build around. And then you add a Scoot Henderson to that. And I mean, the sky's the limit for those two if they keep working hard. And I believe they will. There's very few ways to massage the pain of like a Hall of Famer leaving, a top 75 player leaving. Mm-hmm. Having guys like Scoot Henderson and Shane Sharp just electrify yeah. the offense to an, and, and obviously Anthony Simons is like firmly entrenched in making offense go. Uh, having that kind of stuff is a very good salve for that. Um, well, you mentioned Anthony Simons. I I cannot understand why teams were not targeting him if he was available this summer. And like we heard that there was no real good offers for him or whatever. Like I feel like if he was the lead guard on another team, uh, this guy averaged 
something like 27 and six or something in games Dame didn't play. And I, I think he's, he's a legit star too. And so it's weird that he's another guard. And now we start with three guards on a new version of this Blazers team. But that guy, I, if he ever gets moved to another team where he's uh, like, if I'm Toronto right now, I would be doing everything I could to get Anthony, not necessarily Dame. I, I think he would elevate that team as well. Uh, I raise you Gary Trent Jr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Gary, Gary's more of an actual shooting guard. Yeah. Um, Anthony can, is more of a combo guard can do. Both. They're, they're not close in play <laughs> yeah. style. Nah, yeah. not remotely. It's very like, it's interesting that teams when they're trying to build, I don't know if it just happens this way. It's kind of like how in, in art or in literature, there's like scenes where, you know, writers will come from like the same city in the same era and they, it's because they all collaborate and all that kind of stuff and ideas bubble at the same time. But it seems like good front court teams just have good front courts. Good back court teams just have right. like a, a glut of those types of guys. The Raptors, they're like, oh, we have like, you know, four really good wings. This is it. drafting them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then like maybe it's tough at the guard position. There's just like no team finds that balance, man. It, it's really funny. And the Blazers just being like, yeah, we have Scoot, we have Anthony, and, and we have Shaden Sharp. You know, like there's just a, you know, it's a gluttonous amount of really interesting uh, combos slash primaries. Let's talk about the primary. Uh, Scoot, how much how much G League stuff did you watch of him beforehand? And then once you realized like, oh, he's going to be a Blazer, how much did you watch afterwards? I mean, I watched it as much as I could. Um Obviously, most people consider him in most years a number one type pick. And so we have Wemby and outside of Charlotte being stupid, uh, you know, he would have gone number two or any other team. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Scoot, man, the only question is, can he develop a, a consistent enough jump shot, a three-point shot? Other than that, um, he's he's got everything. He's got the charisma he's got that it factor he's got leadership qualities he's got insane athleticism uh he's got long arms and length even though he's only six two so he's got everything I, I mean just super explosive um finishing should be great uh once he he gets that down um mid-range uh he can pull up at on a dime and so, like, he's he's got the whole package outside of maybe that three-point shot. And we've seen point guards uh, coming in the NBA, whether it's like Jaw or De'Aaron Fox or someone like that, where teams just dare them to shoot um, and go under picks and stuff like that. So as long as he can figure that out, um, how to not let defenses sag off of him and pack the paint, I think the sky's the limit for that guy. He, I got to cover one scoop game. He came oh, to nice. he came to well Hamilton Toronto you know Mississauga what whatever you want he came to Ontario to play some basketball um, it was the game he got thrown out of I didn't think he should have got thrown out but he did get thrown out of the game he was slow to start kind of just like you know Jared Butler is like the or sorry John Jenkins not Jared Butler John Jenkins is like doing his thing with like the G League Ignite like a lot of the offense is going through him. A scoot is kind of finding his pacing on the game in the third quarter. He really turns it on. 
And like the 905 in that game, and there's like a lot of NBA talent on the floor. You know, Coloco was there for that game as well. And you see the young teenage guard pushing pace, really change the flow of the game, dominate in transition, and then like drag his team back with pick and roll craft that is, you know, peppered in with, uh, you know, lots of paint touches, as you mentioned, like the stop on the dime mid-range game, a bunch of and really, you know, great eyes for playmaking. Like he makes a lot of really high level decisions, gets to dangerous spots. I his pick and roll craft, you know, you mentioned how does he defeat the unders? Maybe it's not year one where he fully has a grasp on like the rescreen and the pacing perfectly, especially with how good nail defense is at the NBA nowadays. But I think that's something that he he his pacing in the pick and roll is elite already. And and he did it against professionals. I he has the body. I took a mm-hmm. picture of yeah. him, posted it. It went viral because he just looked so absurdly large. People were like, what? Yeah. People thought it was photoshopped. Yeah. It was so big. And yeah. so it's just like, I expect great things for Scoot. I, I agree with you that I'm like, how the hell did this guy not go number two? And a, a number one type pick, because you're just not beating Wemby. But like, that's yeah. not a bad thing. Who's beating Wemby? They talk yeah. about him like in the same vein as when LeBron came up. Not that I was super old enough to kind of conceptualize what was going on but like yeah scoot rocks man you guys just you have a lot going on in the uh in the backcourt i do want to focus on one guy in the raptors front court who i know you have a vested interest in christian coloco you you know i talk to people around the raptors i talk to people from a lot of different places you were one of the only people who came and said that guy i like that guy you got a good one and he he had for a second round pick, especially a, a big man, I think he had an overwhelmingly successful rookie season. I'm curious uh, how you did keeping tabs on Coloco. Yeah, it was hard because he didn't play uh, a ton. There was that stretch where he started some games um, before Jakob got there. And uh, it seemed like maybe they were going to give him a little bit of uh, – run there but um he just didn't play a lot and unfortunately couldn't watch any of his g league games um but now the blazers have a g league team finally uh so uh we can i can cover that a little bit more it'll be fun uh but yeah uh i don't know it's it's really hard you know small sample size um you only got you know a limited amount of shots so like do you really look too much into field goal percentage and stuff like that? Because, you know, you make five more shots and it looks way better or miss five more shots and it looks way worse when you're only shooting, you know, a hundred or 200 shots in a whole season. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I think defensively in the games I saw, he looked fine. Um, you, you saw the promise there as a rim protector and a help defender, but, uh, yeah, still kind of raw offensively and, um, I'm not sure the new coaching staff, if they're going to give him a little bit more opportunity, uh, but just seem like they, I don't know, like he play well, uh, you probably know, or you obviously know better than I do, but it seemed like he had some good moments and then wouldn't play again for a while. And so it's, it, as a young guy, that it's kind of hard to know what your role is or what to do when you go in there, just try not to mess up type attitude. Whereas, um, you know, a lot of young guys, I think, do better if they're empowered by their coach to 
to go out there and do whatever, not just okay, when you mess up, you're coming out of the game or whatever. There was there was a quick hook for a lot of people at the end of the Raptors bench. I do yeah. wonder how that looks with Darko. The Raptors, like Darko, I know he's publicly commented a lot about offense, building offense. Here's an offensive framework. He's had podcasts talking about it for hours. You know, how do you, you know, build the framework for an NBA offense? And then, you know, having like, oh, here's how I do development. Here's an article on the pick and roll, all this kind of stuff. But he he is going to have to focus a lot on defense. That is where this team's strength is going to lie. And it's pretty easy. You can think of pretty easy way to build a really good defense with, you know, having OG, Scotty, Pascal, and Jakob, those four just playing like a ton of minutes. Coloco, I think, will benefit from being able to just step in and be like, I can most easily emulate what Jakob is doing. Even if I'm not Jakob, I can most easily emulate his place in the defense and maybe the Raptors will, ha- will have like a more nebulous defense that changes a lot depending on lineups. I wonder, but I, I do really think Coloco has a chance to like step into a center role. And I had that uh, piece I did in the early part of last season where mm-hmm. I watched all of Coloco's pick and roll stuff, all the different coverages, and then I went to him and watched some film with him and kind of asked around what people thought. He obviously he wins minutes. He gets a lot of blocks and fouls a lot. You could find the same thing. Not that he'll be Rudy Gobert or Jaron Jackson Jr., but those are two hallmarks of the early parts of their careers as well. Lots of blocks, lots of fouls. Guys have to figure out, you know, how long it takes to cover that eight feet across the paint. You know, tra- transition themselves around the floor without fouling. It it takes a while to to get there as the low man all the time. I do think there's a lot of potential for him to have a very strong defensive season. The offense, he needs weight, like pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like he has the arms to finish, but it's just that core and just guys are pushing him around. He's a young big in a league that is playing really strong fours or like overwhelmingly large fives. And it's yeah. very tough for a, a slim guy to just come in and occupy those really like the trenches of the floor. Mm-hmm. And so the offense, I don't expect to be good this season. Again, his hands need work, needs to put on weight, can't lose as much ground. But uh, there's some jump shot stuff there, maybe. And uh, he doesn't need to be impressive offensively yet. Yeah. And even if he were, this team is going to have trouble carving out, you know, space for him to get good shots anyway so well i think you hit the nail on the head with emulating yaka because uh like he had some of those same problems when he came into the league um so he was super skinny and um you could see that he knew how to play but just couldn't figure out exactly how to put it all together um Mm -hmm. so yeah that's i think that's a really good person if he's um you know, being mentored by him to, because like Yaka became a really good passer. And I I, th- I still think Coloco has that upside to be kind of a hub on offense, uh, not like a primary hub, but a secondary one. And um, I think he sees the floor well. It's just the game just moved too fast for him last year. And like you said, when you're getting pushed around and and you can't stay in, in a spot um, compared to when you were in college and you, that was, those things were easy. 
uh, I think once he learns that kind of stuff and and figures out the body, I, I think he'll still be a competent player. Yeah, and that's not even something because he he hasn't even been able to be a hub really at the G League level. Mm-hmm. And I don't think like you saying that there's potential for it. I don't think he has to prove it yet. Even most bigs nah. who aren't all stars or all NBA like hubs, a lot of them develop that passing touch, that passing flair, like twenty six and up. Maybe even like yeah. 28 and up. A lot of bigs, it's maybe they get bounced around, they play on a bad team, and they get like a two-month stretch where somebody says, split cuts yeah. off of him. Let's see yeah. how that goes. And then they're like, oh, this is cool. I can do this. Um, I, I think a lot of bigs develop it later. And Coloco, despite not seeing much now, it's not like they embolden him. It's it's not like they put the ball in his hands very often anyway. They're like, go stand and see if you can get offensive rebound. Maybe that'll be good. Um in addition to that, he's also very like elite feet on the perimeter. Uh, mm-hmm. Very good at flipping his hips too. He was shockingly good when I went over the film as far as like sticking with guys on the perimeter and knowing when to like open the gate and pursue as a runner instead of trying to slide, and also yeah. sliding when the opportunity is there to keep a guy you know in between your shoulders. It's like. This is really impressive because that's not intuitive for everybody. A lot of guys just his fouls were contesting shots, not getting, you know, kind of in a gridlock on the the perimeter, which is those are all big deals. Good thing. And if if he figures that out um, to where he can become a switchable big uh, in the vein of like a Bam Adebayo or a Nicholas Claxton showed that last year, took a huge jump that way and became an elite switchable defender on the perimeter that's that's game changing for a defense so i don't know if he'll ever get to that level as those two but just showing signs in his rookie year of of being able to do that is a positive sign and that's one trait i think a lot of scouts and gms are going to be looking for in bigs is that just that little ability to know when to do those things like you said and then to to show that at an NBA level, which he started to do last year, and and so that'll be that'll be great to to watch moving forward. Yeah, it's like if you have a big who you don't you don't switch you know the five out with eighteen seconds of the clock. If you can do it with seven, just like a yeah. guy steps out, big old hawk with the wingspan coming towards you. Yeah. You know if it, if it's Coloco, it's like seven one and whatever that his arms extend, you know across the Bering Strait or whatever. Like, you know it's like damn. <laughs> Uh, you can overwhelm a guy to like five seconds with, you know, escape dribbles. It's kind of like what Chris Bosh really was fantastic at doing with the the heat was like, you know, that hard hedge and guys are like out to the sideline. Like, what the hell? You know, yeah. um, guards have, well, initiators have better responses to that nowadays. But uh, I guess we'll see what happens with that. Are there any other um, players of interest on the Raptors for you? Well, I'm always interested in young players, so it will be interesting to see how Grady Dick fits in with. Um, now you have the shooter, you have the def- def- the defenders at the wings. Now you have a shooting wing that, I, I mean, I think maybe some of his defensive issues are overblown, but um, I I am going to be fascinated to watch how he mixes with those because if he can be that four spacer. Um, you you can't play all of them at the same time, but um, you know it would be 
something to see that team with a wing that can actually shoot the ball at a decent clip or not even necessarily shoot the ball, but just have the gravity to not let defenses um, do what they have done against the Raptors in previous years, where it's just like, okay, well, we'll just like the Blazers. uh, There was a game last year where Yusuf Nurkic literally would just turn around and let Scotty Barnes shoot, (laughs) you know, like he wasn't even, turn towards him like he would just be like yeah and turn around he did that to several other players like jared vanderbilt and stuff throughout the season but like <laughs> like you won't be able to do that with if grady dick's out there um because you have to you have to watch where he's at at all times so adding a player like that to the mix i'm, I'm interested to see how that fits in with the defensive-minded players of your team right now well that's that's the interesting aspect too is like og shoots well enough for og mm-hmm. Like he he's a fantastic catch and shoot player. The pull up stuff is never really stabilized anywhere. It's it well, it's stabilized at a bad place, I would say. It's had spikes of like, oh, interesting. But as far as how he's made himself into a dangerous shooter, excellent. Is he a movement shooter? No. But that's a really tough development. Scotty Barnes, if he was on a bunch of different places in the league, his shooting development wouldn't be like okay, if this doesn't come along, we're in a really, really tough spacing position. Um, There might not be as much pressure on it. Pascal Siakam, among fours, especially guys who initiate and play make as well as he does, is his shooting bad? No, but here's the thing. Not having like motion shooting and not having elite shooting anywhere and just like having guys who, since a couple of them are playing the two or typically get pretty good shooting a lot of movement shooting a couple guys playing the three where at the very least you typically get you know decent catch and shoot shooting if it's og pascal scotty and then Jakob in the front like at the five who he won't shoot a lick it's like damn we're not really getting it anywhere so these guys on a personal level saying why doesn't this guy shoot it doesn't work like they're doing a good job they're moving along developing at their own rate it's just the composite average of all those guys is Mm -hmm. tough and pushing in Grady who's like this really great reactive cutter and he forms up to drives and like broken plays to find shooting space all the time and will have gravity it's like this is important and you know if the he has slow feet he's got big calves you know he's he's a little bit slow footed on the perimeter he's going to get in trouble defensively just as like a matter of fact but the reads off ball are good and he's not like a six five six six you know movement shooter he's a six nine movement shooter which helps you know insulate against some of the things that might be bad defensively uh a little bit extra wingspan the standing reach it makes you a lot more dangerous um in passing lanes it can also help dissuade some of those skip passes or you know it makes you better as a tagger there's just Positives to being big defensively. Yes, Samson, you've discovered yeah. <laughs> something here, certainly. <laughs> um, yes. And then other than him, um, it's more just um, I can't wait to see what Ujuri does with with all these uh, yeah. contracts. Um, like, does he end up moving OG finally this year? And if he does, did he wait too long to do it? Um, and Or do, do, does everyone seem content and they sign extensions or they go into the off season with that problem and hope they resign everyone. Um, so that's it. Does that depend on how they do this year? Is that, is that going to be the other pressure of the season is if 
if they don't get off to a good start, is this going to affect yeah. how how it looks long term? Um, so yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of factors there, uh, not necessarily individual players, but yeah, just overall direction. Uh, you know, choosing not to fully rebuild this summer, will that ultimately be the best decision? Um, or can you still piece this together and turn this back around into a, a competing team? Team building is tough, man. Oh, it is. You yeah, just, for sure. you can't control for stuff. And then like you sign a guy, you could sign a guy with the best track record. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, this guy for sure. And they can just go sideways. And yeah. it's like, well, damn, you know, how, how do you control? You can't control for the uncontrollable. And then also differing opinions or different team building philosophies can lean you towards some things that end up being positives over time and some things that end up being negatives over time. And both the positives and the negatives can exist in the same philosophy. So it's like, how do you start cutting out the bad stuff while still keeping the good stuff? It's just like, I don't know, man. Uh, Talking to people last season, a lot of people were like, I love what the Raptors are doing. It's interesting. They're like the Mm -hmm. team nobody wants to play. And then it became last season where, you know, the, the pro scouts for other teams and coaches for other teams said, we don't even really have to game plan to play against this team because we just collapse the defense and then shoot open threes. And it's like, well, damn, man, you know, that's, you could have been a little bit nicer about it. Right. Okay. Um, I, I hope they, I hope they turn it around. Last season didn't end the way they wanted to. They've had significant changes like Fred, Nick nurse and Fred Van Vliet leaving. I know neither was liked by the time they left, but it's significant. Like, right. That's the championship coach. And Fred, while he wasn't like the stalwart starting guard during the championship season, by the end of it, he was starting and guarding yeah. Steph Curry and getting a mm-hmm. finals MVP vote. And, you know, the defense did fall quite a ways from where it was. But like, that's a lot of possessions that now have to go elsewhere. And hopefully it, yeah. it goes well. But it's just like the unknown. We're operating in the unknown. Yeah. Both of so us. What is- what did you think of the Schroeder edition? I think uh, I liked it. Now, we happened, I was recording with Trey. We were reacting to, like, we're doing a stream like you guys do. And we're like, hey, you know, Fred left. And then all of a sudden, it's like, Dennis Schroeder's are after. I'm like, what are they doing here? You know, I'm, I'm yeah. having a tough time conceiving of it just because he's, um, among other things, not a super great shooter. And so I'm yeah. like, where, I'm like, where <laughs> You're are adding they? another one of those. <laughs> I was like, where are they getting their spacing from? And then I kind of convinced myself that he'll probably be sixth man and he's going to help elevate bench units, transitional lineups. And also yeah. just like he's going to get more paint touches than Fred did per possession, like per used pick and roll possession. He'll turn more corners. He'll probably be better on broken plays. And when bigs switch out, like Fred with his injury troubles, that athleticism got sapped. He uh, he wasn't able to like beat bigs on the perimeter very often. There's positive changes. Now, Fred is the better player. Like I, you could you would have a hell of a time trying to convince me that Shooter's better than Fred. But <laughs> there are some positives to it. Um, Shooter's a better point of attack defender. He's also less attentive off ball. Like there's yin and yang and all that kind of stuff. But I think Schroeder 
for what the Raptors are trying to do, which apparently none of us know, you know, it's like, <laughs> who knows? But yeah. if what they wanted to do was sign a good guard on a decent contract, Schroeder for the mid-level exception, two years, 26 million. Hell yeah. Uh, the mid-level exception isn't going to change your team or if right. it does, you've done the best business of all time. Like, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at is it, it wouldn't be radical. It's not even supposed to be. Um, but I think it it will err on the side of good. That's uh, where I am. What, what do you yeah. think? What do you think of Schroeder? Well, yeah, I thought it was weird because, I mean, we've talked now since uh, I met you last summer about the shooting, you know, and uh, we mentioned it then. And so, yeah, like it's it's not the greatest fit when you when you see that signing. Uh, you see him go out and win a, a Hell yeah. championship. I'm MVP. sure that's that got you excited uh but <laughs> um but yeah but then if you just think about it taking a step back there wasn't at when once fred left there wasn't a lot of good options to be that person who could shoot or whatever you're not going to really find that at the mid-level so short of making a trade for that type of player um like i i think it's fine it'll be fine if if barnes so you think barnes will start a point guard then I think they should try it, man. Yeah. Like yeah. like what you said, there's a lot of wisdom in how you not only you want to hit the diminishing returns. Like mm-hmm. like give these guys possessions and like see what happens. If it doesn't yeah. work out for Scotty, at least you know. Yeah. And while I would probably lean more so towards he's going to have a lot of trouble being like a an a perimeter initiator, yeah. like live dribble initiator, I think he'll have a trouble doing it. Figure it out. Especially mm-hmm. since, and what you said is the part that a lot of times goes unsaid is like people talk about development in that, well, let's see if the guy can do it, but you included, let's see what he can do, mm-hmm. figure it out early, and this can inform what we build around. You know, this, yeah. this can really help us make decisions in the future because the talent level, especially for players like eighth, ninth men, has gotten so good in the NBA that fit has started really to become more important well, maybe not more important, but has elevated a lot relative to just like when it was just like three stars, just completely mow down everybody. It doesn't really work like that anymore because the seventh guy can go off for like 32 points in the game six, you know, for like six teams across the NBA, their seventh man can do something like that. I mean, Bruce Brown was pulling up for three in the finals. You know, it's (laughs) like the, the talent level has gotten so good that you have to find, these symbiotic players. So like, hell yeah, let's got to figure it out. Why yeah. not? Bruce Brown, there's a mid-level exception that elevated the team <laughs> to go against what you just said. <laughs> that's, that's true. And I'll be um, talking about him with uh, Caitlin yeah. Cooper tomorrow. So hopefully yeah. you get the good Bruce Brown stuff. Yeah. Well, with like when Ben Simmons was at his peak, they were, they started to put the shooting around him. So it'll, I don't know if it can work with, yeah, like I don't, I don't, I don't like sh- that the lack idea. of shooting, but yeah, like ultimately, I think Barnes needs to be in a lineup where he does have shooting around yeah. him if he's going to work as the point guard. But I, yeah, this year, like, just try it out, and if it, like you said, if it doesn't work, then maybe you know you have to move on from one of OG and and Pascal and get a different type of forward there, or maybe you ultimately do move Barnes and get a big time player and it's a shorter window, but you have that 
that three-man lineup with OG, Pascal, and whoever that star is. Um, and and you just go from there and worry about the the future later. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I would find that out now versus later. I'm of the mind that whether or not Scotty is at the three, the four, or the one, this team has to play smash mouth basketball. Mm-hmm. And just you might as well put it in Scotty's hands for a decent chunk of it so you figure stuff out because he is really like a tremendously talented playmaker on broken plays as the floor changes and warps depending on what lineups are out there. He's going to figure out passes that nobody else on the roster is going to figure out. So you might learn stuff from a you know his designing offense around him level too. And then just to get back to the shooter part, the Raptors have more shooting at the back end of their – like they lost Fred, which was yeah. – he had a bad shooting year, but he's yeah. an elite shooter, elite spacing, yeah. you know, both as a screener and pulling guys out. You know, the gravity is there. But as far as like down the back end of the roster, they should be able to put out more lineups this season with better shooting. And I think Schroeder mixing into those um, is a decent place to be. So – yeah, feel okay about shooter, but still put that ball in Scotty's hands. Let's like let's go. Let's see what it is. You might as well yeah. sort it out. Um might be ugly to watch. I might <laughs> upset people, you know, by doing like I hand tracked everything that happened and it was terrible types of articles, but yeah. You know, at least we'll know. I guess yeah. that's uh that's where I am. Uh any parting shots about the Blazers or the Raptors before we get out of here? Um not really just uh good luck to the raptors this season uh hope it goes well for you guys and uh um yeah just sitting here waiting uh there was some buzz a couple days ago about <laughs> dame trade being close and so uh, everyone was all excited for this to finally end so i'm just going to be sitting here waiting for some, something to happen and uh in the meantime uh Hopefully at some point in the next few weeks, I can start getting excited about the young players and what we got back in the day trade. I need two days. I need to release this episode tomorrow. And <laughs> yeah. and then I need, we obviously, I talked to Nikias Duncan for the heat. We right. also need the heat conversation to not right. have Dame traded yet. So I need two days if the, you know, Dame and co can, or I guess it's not up to him, but if uh, the Blazers can, pay attention to a little podcast host over here just just give me two days Eric. so have you talked have you talked to him yet or not who uh, Nikai- oh yeah nikaias i recorded it uh, a couple oh, okay, days so ago. Record- i was gonna say you could <laughs> you could just wait until yeah. the trade happens but no no we recorded it and we only yeah. talked about it from the point of view of it was recorded before the raptors all of a sudden were like hey we're in it so i'm just oh, like okay. oh yeah he's going to miami eventually right, right. and so <laughs> i guess we'll see I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, two days, Blazer, Blazers, right. please and thanks. Eric, uh, do you want to do a plug before we get out of here? Uh, sure. Just check me out on Blazers Uprise and Blazers Uprise Live on YouTube. And I'm on Twitter at Hoopstruck. Hell yeah. Eric, thank you so much for the time, man. For the second thank year you. in a row, um, very generous. And if anybody wants to pay attention to one of the most exciting young backcourts in the NBA, uh, stick along with Eric. Listen to his coverage over the course of the season. We'll see how that goes. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. And uh, yeah, whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.